Hallelujah. If the cobwebs haven't gone off by now, they're not going to go off. It's great to be here this morning. Thank you so much again for coming. Um, and so we're going to be reading from John 21. But let me tell you a little joke before we start. One Easter, um, a pastor and a taxi driver both died and went to heaven. And so St. Peter was there at the pearly gates waiting for them both. And he said, come with me. And so he took the taxi driver and there he followed him to a big mansion. In this mansion was everything in there, a bowling alley, Olympic-sized swimming pool. He said, oh my word, thank you so much. And so next, the, Peter got hold of the pastor and took him to a little wooden shed and uh, with a little black and white TV in there. And the pastor said to Peter, I think you made a mistake. He said, you know, I'm, I'm the pastor. I, I've been the one that's been going to church every week and preaching faithful sermons. And so Peter turned and looked and says, yeah, we know that. He says, but your eat, when you preached that you eat a sermon, people fell asleep. But when this taxi driver drove, everybody prayed. <laughs> My prayer is today that you won't fall asleep during this Easter sermon. So let me read to you from John 21. I want to just give you a picture um, of uh, Jesus raising from the dead, but one of the disciples who made the big mistake in his life. And I want to talk to you about how Jesus can revive our denials in our lives. And so afterwards, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way, that Peter and Nathaniel and uh, two others were there together. And he said, I am going back fishing. Simon Peter told them, and they said, we're going to go with you. So they went out, and they got into the boat, and they fished all night and caught nothing. And early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the other side, on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did this, they were unable to haul their nets because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say this, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. I don't understand that, do you? You usually take your garments off to get into the water, but he put it on and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they had landed, they saw the fire burning and coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some fish that you have that you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of fish, 153. But even with so many, the nets was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him who he were. They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. I want to talk to you about this story because I believe it will change our lives. The Apostle Peter was so faithful to Jesus in his three years of ministry. And so here Peter, somehow from his mistake, has gone back fishing. If you continue to read the story, we can see what kind of promise that Peter makes to Jesus. And so in John 13, it says, Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but later you can follow. And so Peter says this, 
He said, I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You know, the Apostle Peter, with all his good intentions, really meant what he said. I know at times in our, in our walk with Jesus that we say things to him that we, we, we think we're really going to follow through. But, you know, Peter was certain about his courage and the, and, and the challenge even to death to follow Jesus. But the, the truth of the matter is that Peter didn't really know himself. I know our goal in life as Christians is to know the Lord, but at the same time, we actually bump into, into ourselves that we didn't know before. There was things about us that we didn't know, and somehow Jesus reveals them to us. And so Peter has bumped into a part of him that he didn't think possible could come out of him. A total denial from Jesus, from Peter. I believe that when Jesus said to him, Peter, you don't realize what's in you, that you are actually not going to follow through with this promise. I believe that Peter, in his mind, and this is just my interpretation, thought, I'm going to prove you wrong, Jesus, in his mind. I actually think you've got this one wrong, Lord. And actually, in Luke 22, here's the story. Peter replied when asked if he knew the Lord, the Messiah. He said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know this man. Jesus, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words of the Lord that had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Can you imagine that? Peter was so full of intention of following Jesus. And I know that in our walk with God, I know that there are times and days that we will give up everything to follow Jesus. And then on Monday, we changed our mind. But you know, Peter was no different. But you know, Peter could not believe that one minute he was full on for Jesus, the next minute he's found himself denying him and actually hurting the heart of Jesus. Peter made mistakes before in his life following Jesus. But you know, his intention was because he wanted to actually follow Jesus. He wanted to actually protect Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus asked him to get out the boat? And he took a step of faith and he walked a few steps on water. Then he got distracted by the wind and he began to sink. Peter made a mistake. He was embarrassed. He had to get back in the boat wet. And so he had to get over that sort of embarrassment. Another time when, when Peter had a revelation from the Father of who Jesus was, he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then the next breath, he tries to stop Jesus from going to, to Jerusalem to fulfill God's purpose for his life. And Jesus said to him, Peter, Satan, get behind me. Another mistake in his life that he had to get over in front of all his peers. One minute he has revelation from God, next minute he's being used by the enemy. And there he has to deal with that in his life. And then finally, Jesus' last miracle, as he begins to step out to help Jesus from being arrested, he gets his sword out and cuts the ear off of a soldier. And Jesus says, put your sword away. That's not the way we do things around the kingdom. And he puts the ear back on the soldier. But this time, Peter could not shake this mistake off. Peter couldn't shake this failure off his life. So much so, he went back fishing. I believe that Peter, in, in this act of a mistake in his life, was totally shook up of what he did, especially when Jesus looked at him. Can you imagine that in Peter's mind? I believe that the image of that video in Peter's mind could not be shaken from him. 
Every time he began to think about his life, he'd have that replayed in his mind. That eye contact with Jesus and him remembering the words he, would, he said to him, his commitment to him. And he said, Peter, you're not, you're not going to follow through. And he began to weep. And he carried that with him so much so that his hope of the future had gone. His hope for the promises of God over his life was gone. His dreams had disappeared within his life. I want to ask you a question. How many Christians do you know that are immobilized by their past mistakes, their past failures, and somehow cannot get detached from them and sort of hinders their purpose in God because of what they did in their history? I want to say to you today, because Jesus rose from the dead, there is power to free you from the past and remove you into your purpose in the future. And so I know that we've made one promise to God one minute and the next deny it. But I want to say to you today that you have made, may have made some bad mistakes. You may have made some bad choices in your life. And you've come to church today or you're watching online and even though that you've asked, asked the Lord to forgive you and, you and you know that other Christians have told you, you cannot shake off the guilt that follows you. Instead of goodness and mercy following you, the guilt and the shame of your mistake follows you everywhere you go and you cannot shake it off. Peter had so much potential in his future, but he went back fishing. How many people do you know that has been on fire for God one minute and now where are they? Because of mistakes, because of what maybe other mistakes people have done to them, they have now gone back to what they used to do before they knew Jesus. So much potential, so much purpose is on hold because they carry around maybe hurt or disappointment or a grudge or shame or fear of failing again in their future. I want you to imagine me Peter's sleepless nights, waking up with nightmares, waking up realising actually it is true I've let Jesus down. I wonder how many in this room or watching online that, that you wake up in sweats knowing that you've made a mistake in your life and you're hoping that when you wake up it's only a dream or a nightmare but you know actually it's true. And you wake up, even though with, with, with people around you, you wake up with that, with that heaviness in your heart or in your spirit, hoping to get free, wondering if God will ever use you again, hoping that the people that you may have upset will ever forgive you. And you carry around with you a wound and a heaviness that, that holds you like an anchor to your future in God. Peter awakes the notifications on his mobile. He opens his phone and the notifications go off and some of his good friends says, how are you, Pete? Did you manage to escape the arrest? Peter, from another text, you're not on your own. We all messed up. None of us stayed with the Lord. We all betrayed him, praying for you, mate. And then you've got some of the other people in your life who will say, hey, wow, did you really say you would die for Jesus? Told you he was all talk. Then you get the religious police. Told you he was a false prophet. He's a fake. Did you hear the language from his mouth? Did you hear him lying about that? I knew the Lord. I told you he wasn't saved. And all these components are attached to the mistakes that we make in our life. And then we have our self-talk. 
We, we agree with everything else that everybody else says about us and you call yourself an idiot and you say, I can't believe I did that. I have so let Jesus down. I can't do ministry anymore. I'm just a hypocrite. When he looked at me and his tears flowed from his eyes, I know how much I've hurt the Lord. There's no way that I can go back into serving God. There is no way that I, he could use me anymore because of what I've done to him. At this point, you know, we don't need convincing anymore because we've done it enough ourselves. But then the accuser of the brethren jumps on the back of everybody else's accusations, especially your own. And he'll agree with you. And he'll say, do you know what? You're absolutely right. How can you do that anymore for God? You've embarrassed yourself. You've let the Lord down. You've let your family down. You've let yourself down. Your ministry is over. Everything that God has planned for you is dead and it cannot come alive anymore. And so, G so Peter fishes all night and catches nothing. And he says to himself, I'm not even good at this anymore. This is my profession and I can't even catch any fish anymore. I want to know if you come to church today or if you're online watching and you know that you carry around with you a mistake that haunts you, a failure that cripples you. I've come to tell you today that Jesus can resurrect you into your future. Because the thing is, we need to know how to handle our mistakes. Number one is that mistakes are inevitable. Every one of us are going to make them. And the thing is, you know, we always say let's prepare for success. But you know something, we have to prepare for failure because we are going to fail. But we need to know how to get up after, being, after failing. And I want you to know that every person in this world will make a mistake. And Lincoln, Lincoln, the President of the United States, says, he who never makes a mistake never makes anything. Failure is an event. It's never a person. You may have failed, but you are not a failure. And you need to know that today in your life. Now, I know that some people make mistakes and we break the law and we have consequences for that. I'm talking about when we are walking with God and we begin to do things that we know that's not right and we sort of carry the guilt and the failure. And I know that it just immobilizes in our lives. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to learn from the mistakes. Please, let's not try and repeat them. You know, mistakes are there to grow on. And we must begin to, to learn from them. You know, Peter learned from his mistake. How do I know? Because later on, when, when Jesus recommissions Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, love, I love you, Lord. He said, well, so he asked him again, Lord, Peter, do you really love me? Lord, yeah, I love you. And they asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? He said, oh, Lord. This is, this is how I know Peter learned. Lord, you know all things. Before, I thought I knew all things when I said I'd follow you, but now you know if I really love you. Lord, you know all things. Peter learned a big lesson, ready for his future. And so I want you to know that when you make a mistake, Please don't take it personal, but learn from them. And the third is this. Let Jesus redeem our mistakes and receive his forgiveness for those mistakes. Now listen, I know that in life when we upset people and we make mistakes towards others, it will take a long time for some people to forgive you and maybe never. But we know when it's to do with Jesus, his forgiveness is not far away from you. 
And I, I don't know the degree of mistakes that you may have made or those that are watching, but I do know there is no mistake that Jesus cannot forgive. Because if that's the case, if Jesus can't forgive any mistake that we make in our lives, then, then what are we doing here today? There is no mistake that Christ cannot be willing to forgive. Listen, Peter was up all night and caught nothing. Peter's greatest failure, Jesus came early in the morning to meet Peter's need. What I love about this story is that it says that Jesus appeared early in the morning, just like on Easter, when he appeared to the ladies first. And he said to the girls, girls, you go and tell them, unbelieving gentlemen, that I've risen from the dead. And you know, when they did, the disciples, these great apostles didn't believe that Jesus was risen. He had to keep appearing to them. But you know, eventually they did. And I want to say to you today, you may have come here this morning and you may be full of condemnation. You may be full of guilt. But I want to tell you, Jesus is here this morning to remove the guilt from your life and to heap his grace upon you just like he did with Peter, because the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Listen, they are new every morning, for great is his faithfulness. You know something? I know people may not forgive you, but I want to tell you my Jesus will. And this is what Jesus said. This is what blows my mind away about God. And I hopefully can help you know something about Jesus today. He said, have you caught any fish? And Peter says, no, here's what Jesus never did. Peter, I told you that you would deny me. Hope you feel guilty enough about it. Peter, I want you to start going back to church every Sunday and giving and serving. And then I might just let you off and give you some grace. Jesus said to Peter, why don't you throw your net on the other side and there's some fish for you. What blows my mind away about this story is that Jesus turned up on that morning to bless Peter. And Peter did not deserve anything from Jesus. At that minute, when Peter drops his net, Jesus provides direction, provision and production. And Peter made the biggest mistake of his life. See, many Christians are driven by works. If only I do this, then God will do that. In this story, Peter made the biggest mistake of his life, but Jesus turned up and blessed him. Because that's unconditional love. That's unconditional grace. That's something that we need to get our heads around. It doesn't mean to say that we can live how we want to live. Because when you know that kind of grace, then you want to give your life more back to Jesus and live right. But until you understand this kind of grace, then you're really not going to know the Lord in his fullness. Have you caught any fish? Peter did not earn it, did not deserve it, but it was God's kindness that poured upon Peter on his life. I know Peter says, I can't believe that you would do this for me, Jesus. I'm expecting you to tell me off. I'm expecting you to rebuke me. I'm expecting you to say you deserve it. But I, you've come here this morning after you've been raised, all that, what you've gone through, all the crucifixion, all the pain, all the torture, and you come here this morning in the midst of my biggest failure and you bless me. And some of you can't get your head around that today. 
because you've made such a mistake on your life. You don't think God can pour his grace and his provision on your life unless you get it all together. It doesn't work like that with the Jesus that I know. Because I want to say to you, no matter what you think about God, he always makes the first move. No matter how what you think about how you get the blessing and how you receive from God, God always makes the first move. You know, he didn't ask our permission before he created the heaven and the earth, did he? He did that without, without actually asking us. He made the first move. When Adam, the first man, and Eve, the first woman, they messed up, it was actually God went after Adam. Adam did not go after God. Because as you read the Bible, it says that God went, Adam, where are you? And today in your life, because of some of our failures, we're ashamed to actually come into the presence of God or even try and come to church or get back involved. But, but God is coming after you. His love is chasing after you. Adam, where are you? I need you to come out because I have provision for your life. God always makes the first move. He always makes the first move in our lives. But God demonstrates his love for us, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God always makes the first move. The lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Before we messed up, God had the answer. God was prepared to make the move on the cross on Good Friday or right in advance before we messed up. And Hebrews 4 says, Therefore, since we have a, a great high priest who was ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to empathise or sympathise with our weaknesses and our mistakes and our failures, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of judgment. Let us, let us approach the throne of condemnation. No, the Bible says, let us, let us approach the throne of grace. Will you receive mercy and help in the time of need? That's the kind of God that we come to when we mess up in our lives. When we, when we fail in our lives, we don't run away from God, we run to God because God is not there waiting to tell us off, but he's waiting to embrace us, to clean us up and to give us a brand new start in our lives. That's the God we sing about today. That's the kind of throne it is. Only Jesus Christ can remove our shame. Only Jesus can remove our guilt from our lives. He's the only one that can truly give us forgiveness and set us free from the pain of the past and move us into our present and into our future. And you're saying, but what do we have to do to respond to this kind of grace? Well, there is something that we do need to do in response to God's love and his grace because it's God's kindness that leads us to what we need to do next. As I was reading this story, I thought, Lord, you know, what is it that Peter did that to release the miracle in his life? To receive the grace and the blessing. He was there early, ready to pour out on Peter. But what was it that he had to do? And what do we need to do to respond by faith, not by works, to receive all the grace that needs to be poured out into our life? And I just looked at this and I, I saw it very clearly, very simple. Jesus said to Peter, I want you to move from doing things your own way, in your own strength, fishing all night and catch nothing and I want you to turn and I want you to put your nets on the other side and obey my word, it's called repentance. 
That's what repentance means. It means to turn 180 degrees from the way of you doing things your own way and turn to God's way. And when you do that, you move into his provision and his production and the blessing for your life. So we, remove, we turn towards God's way. You know, we rehearse our mistakes. We remember our mistakes, but Jesus wants to remove them. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But there is a condition and we have to come to God with our failures and our needs. We, 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 you know, and there's nothing wrong with getting sort of uh, professional help for some of our failures in life. And we need to talk to other people and confess our sins to one another. But we've got to deal with God. We've got to come to Him. Because He knows us more than anyone else. And He's the one that can remove those things that everything else can't. And the Bible says if we claim that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. When we make mistakes, we've got to own it before God. We don't cover it up. We own it. We come to God and we say, God, I'm sorry I've messed up. I've done things in my own way. Now I make a decision to go your way. And the promise to that kind of response to God is his cleansing and forgiveness and he will take your shame and your pain and will give you a brand new start. For Jeremiah says, for I will forgive your wickedness and I will remember them no more. That's the kind of God that we serve today. For love keeps no record of wrong. And some of you have come to church today and some of you are online and you have a record playing of your failure every day of your life. And God wants to break the record and the cycle and move you into your future. Because of his love for your life. And so we have to turn from our way and we've got to turn to God and we've got to be honest with Him. I tell you, I don't know about you, but when, when, I, when I'm praying and I'm asking God, I always come and I say, Lord, if I've offended you in any way, I should forgive me. I don't know if the church has forgotten about for repentance. That we think we can live how we like and then just think God's going to overlook that. I don't want to offend God. So even if I know I'm not done thing, I want to make sure that I haven't. Lord, if I've offended you, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me with your blood. I don't want anything that's going to hinder my walk with you. And so, Father, I thank you for your goodness. And you know, when I make a mistake, when I do things and say things I shouldn't, I immediately say apology to the person, but I go to God and I say, God, I know that you didn't like that. I grieve the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And we need to walk with a sensitivity that we're actually offending God when we mess up and we sin. And, you know, and God, it breaks God's heart, but God wants the best for us and he wants to pour his blessing on us. And he doesn't want you to carry shame or the pain of your mistake in your life. And so he wants us to respond to him and we need to turn into his ways and say, Lord, I need to forgive me afresh. I want you to take my shame. I want you to take my mistake. I need to give it to you and you'll give back to me a cleansing and a freeing from all what I've done in the past of my life. And the next thing that Peter does is actually obedient to Jesus' command. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Okay, this is what I want you to do. Now that I've poured my grace upon you, 
now that I've accepted you, now that I've got you back involved by giving me the fish that I've let you caught. See, see, Jesus said to him, go and get the fish that, that you just caught. Wanted to let Peter know that, that your gifts now are going to be acceptable to me again. I want to use you, Peter, to feed the disciples. Go get the fish that you've caught that I help you catch. Go bring them back. I want you to get involved with me again, Peter. So Peter now realizes, do you know what? He's including me again into the ministry. And then he says, Peter, do you love me? And this is the final thing. After he'd eaten, he says, after breakfast, Breakfast is the important thing. Before Jesus commissions Peter for ministry, he has breakfast with him. Why? Because relationship is more important than your ministry. After breakfast, he releases him into his future of ministry. You cannot bypass your relationship with God for serving God. Relationship is more important to Jesus than our ministry, but ministry is important because there's people to reach. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Okay, if you love me, then the proof of that is that you go feed my sheep. The proof that we love God is that we serve him to help people. The proof that we love God is that we obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And so Jesus is saying to me, Peter, I know you're carrying the fear of failure. I know that you are worried about what people will say about you again. But if you really love me, I want to recommission to you your future in ministry. I, I want to rewrite your story. I want, I want you to add another chapter to your story. It's interesting in this book that Jesus leaves the failure of Peter for all us to read. But in Acts chapter 2... He rewrites his story. And Peter speaks to the believers and shows his gift of leadership operating again. In Acts chapter 2, a few further, he speaks to the crowd and 3,000 people get saved and his story's changed. And that's what God wants to do for you and me today. When we mess up, we fail, we've got to learn from them, we've got to be honest with them, and we've got to turn to God, we've got to ask him to cleanse us and free us and we've got to rewrite our story for the future. As we come to a close this morning, I want to ask you a question. Many of you as followers of Jesus, if you've been living with a mistake and you know it's like a shadow that follows you and it paralyzes you thinking about serving God and it's very hard for you to forgive yourself, I want you to know that Jesus will forgive you. And Jesus has the power to take that shame and to take that pain and to remove it from you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light if that's you today I do know in our last song I do know the Holy Spirit is going to move and going to move into your life and those that are watching so please engage because I do know the Holy Spirit is going to be at work in some of your lives because even if it's only one person today because I noticed in this story is that Jesus got Peter on his own to recommission him. And if this is only for one person watching, only one person that's walked in this room with a bag of shame and failure, then Jesus turned up this morning to speak to you. And so you don't need to carry that because I carried it on the cross for you. I took your shame on the cross for you and it was for freedom 
that Christ has set you free, no longer to be subject to a yoke of slavery. Maybe today you've realized that over lockdown, you've been living your life your own way again. You've gone back fishing. Jesus would say, it's time to return to me and do things my way. Or maybe you're watching or maybe you've turned up today and you've never known Jesus. You've never known his forgiveness. And you know, you know look at your life and you're thinking, do you know what? It's not really productive. And you've heard me talk about the Jesus that we worship this morning. I want to tell you that he wants to give you a brand new start. He wants to rewrite your story. No matter how bad your past is, your future can be so much different with Jesus. Why don't you bow your heads in prayer with me? And as we sing our last song, I do know that God is going to move in your heart and your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace. But I specifically pray today, if there's anybody in this building today, anybody watching, that, that, that they know that, that they identify with Peter. And they've been living as hard as they can, as best they can, but they've been carrying with them the heaviness of failure and mistake. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that that will be removed today. I ask you, God, that you'd free them, break the chains that bind them. I ask you, Father, for that shame to be lifted off them through the blood of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to break its power over them. Remove the accusations from the enemy over their lives. And I pray, God, that you would write them a new story. In Jesus' name. And Father, for those that's in this place, and you know that somehow you've not been living God's way, you are a Christian, but you know that you're not been, you've been going back. You're backslidden. You've been doing what you did before you know Jesus. And you know that God is saying, it's time to turn. It's time to repent. It's time to start living my life for you, my way. If that's you, you know what you need to do. It's an act of the will and make a mental decision to say, I am now going to live for God. I know the things that I need to leave behind to follow Jesus. And finally, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, I don't care what your past is like, Jesus Christ can forgive you of every sin that you've ever committed in your life and every sin you'll ever commit in your life. But you have to turn to him. You have to be willing to say, Lord, I've lived my life without you and I realise that I'm unproductive. I've been fishing all night and caught nothing. But Lord, as I turn to you, I'm turned into the provision of God, the blessing of God, the production of God and the forgiveness of God. And that's all you've got to do. You've got to say, Lord, from now on, I want to put my life in your hands. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and my life. And from this moment, I want to live for you with your help and your grace. And so, Father, come into my heart and into my life. Those that are watching on TV today, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you'd visit them, Holy Spirit, by your grace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Every one of us, let's stand together as we sing this song. Let the Holy Spirit come to do some work in our lives. Let's just engage with him as we do that today.